BSD Talk number 178. It's Saturday, October 31st, 2009. Happy Halloween, and the recording that I have for you today I think is in that theme. It's Finding Evil on the Internet. I recorded this at EuroBSDCon in Cambridge, England, and I think it shows the diversity of topics that we get at these various conferences. Often these conferences are great for anyone who's interested in software, not just things that are specific to the BSDs. But anyway, here it is. Now this may not work. Uh, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and show you a whole lot of these, these sites I'm going to talk about. Uh, however, these are evil sites. People are trying to remove them so they may disappear. I once gave this talk and I got a wonderful message from my virus checker pop up in the middle. Uh, those days have gone. Virus checkers can no longer detect anything. So if uh, all sorts of funny things start happening to my laptop, somebody else has taken it over. And... Well, let's just get into it. What I, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about phishing, which is basically what I do in my day job, uh, investigating it rather than <laughs> doing it. I'm going to talk about mule recruitment, fake escrow, fake pharmacies, fake banks, uh, postmodern Ponzi schemes, which are really good fun, completely fake institutions, and stuff about link spammers, and some serious bit at the end, which ties into some of the research that we're doing. Uh, so, let's just all get on the same page here. What is phishing, apart from a really stupid name for something which nobody understands, but you can look really clever by understanding it? Uh, it's basically capture of user credentials. Uh, if, if we're talking 1996, then you were pretending to be an AOL sysop, so you didn't have to pay for your AOL account. Uh, since 2003, it's been all about making fake banks. Uh, and bank is pretty generic since there are fake IRS sites, fake Habo sites, fake online games, fake payment processors, you name it, they've faked it. Uh, and a common theme is that if you can get hold of these credentials, you can sell them for money. And since about 2003, uh, all of this stuff has been all about making money. Before that, it was uh, looking cool, uh, bragging to your girlfriend or perhaps getting a girlfriend in the first place. Uh, since obviously girlfriends are going to be really impressed by the fact that you can go and put graffiti all over all sorts of major websites. Uh, since 2003, the aim is to become super rich, buy a Ferrari, and then the girls come to you. <laughs> uh, it's often said Did that fish. Girls are causing this? <laughs> girls cause all sorts of things. It's, uh, I'm looking at the audience, uh, they're doing something else. Um, we're talking about over two billion a year losses, at least that's what everybody says. Those figures are mainly rubbish because they're done by phone interviews and scaling them up. Uh, in the UK, we're looking 50, 60 million a year at the moment, and if anything, it's rising. Uh, fishing is very much a cultural thing. If you go to Germany, uh, because they've had ITAN since forever, uh, the, uh, they tend not to have phishing there. They tend to have malware, which sits in your browser and impersonates your, uh, gets in the way of uh, transactions uh, and causes you, the, you think you're paying your gas bill, you're actually sending a thousand euros to St. Petersburg. Uh, but when you look at your statement, it will show the payment of the gas bill because they fake up the statement to make it look, to make it look bucket. It's really clever stuff. Um, so 
But in general, the two-factor stuff really, really just means you have to do your fishing in real time. Uh, and I could spend all the whole of my time just talking about how the criminal ecosystem works, how it's all on botnets, uh, etc., and how there's an underground economy with some IRC channels where you can sell all your stuff, etc., etc. Um, however, uh, a bit more fun if we go off to here, then we should be able to find. This is, these are some real fishing websites. So that's citizens. So that's, I said, if you type your credentials in there, then the, uh, the Gavilanche gang will get all of your details. Uh, you'll notice that the domain name is k1d1nx.eu. All of these sites are on the same domain name. So Alliance and Leicester, same domain name which you'll notice that my IE7 is highlighting up the top. Uh, and uh, this time it's an Alliance and Leicester site. Um, Amex, an Amex site. Uh, eBay, eBay. Uh, very popular in the last week or so, IRS. Right. Uh, you've got one of those little emails turn up saying that it's uh, an offence to misdeclare things to the IRS. That's right, but don't go into this site to put in your details. Very unwise. Uh, this is the best technology they have. This is multiple sites sitting behind multiple domain names, and those multiple domain names are being mapped to a botnet. Right, so, the machine, so the domain name is resolving to about 10 different IP addresses in parallel. <coughs> And those IP addresses are parts of a botnet, and the machines there are running HTTP um, relays, essentially, uh, or proxies, if you like. Uh, and so uh, I'm resolving k1d1nx.eu to, uh, uh, to the, uh, resolving it to a particular IP address as part of that botnet, and then relaying through that bit of the botnet. And in 20 minutes' time, what I resolve it to will be different and 20 minutes after that again. As a result of which, the only way in which you can tackle this is to remove the domain name. And it's rather difficult to, uh, well, at least there have been problems about removing the domain name because, of course, there's nothing in that, well, kind of, when phishing first started, uh, people used to uh, use domain names like Barclays with a two Ks in it or with a silent Q or something like that. Uh, so it looked like Barclays uh, but wasn't actually. Right, and therefore Barclays could complain and it was obvious to the registrar that this was a fake attempt to be looking like Barclays whereas k1d1nx.eu doesn't look like, like anything much uh, and if you uh, try to visit just k1nx whatever we remove all of the bit after the slash then it just looks like nothing at all so uh, if all I do is go to the registrar and tell him K18, etc., uh, then the registrar doesn't know what to do because he looks at it and says, well, that doesn't look like fishing to me. Why should I remove this domain name? They've paid me good money. Anyway, that's real fishing. Real live site now. Probably won't be live by tomorrow morning. I hope. Uh, so basically, as I say, it used to be misleading, misleading domain names. They've gone a bit out of fashion, though uh, since uh, the latest Internet Explorer, 
if you noticed it was highlighting the, the active bit of the URL, uh, if people start noticing that a bit more, then maybe that will come back more into fashion. Uh, about three quarters of all the sites are insecure end user machines, uh, which people uh, get onto mainly by using Google search to find them. Uh, they just type in what's called a Google Doc, uh, we call it uh, an evil search. Uh, uh, and you just search for uh, the 2,000 machines out there running a particular version, some PHP bulletin board, at which point you know how to compromise it, at which point you've got 2,000 machines for hosting your websites on. Uh, about a fifth of all sites are sitting on free web hosting where anybody in the world can go off uh, to uh, uh, various free web hosting sites. We'll see one of those in a minute. Uh, and and so forth and then you get these specialist attackers and I've just shown you the main specialist attacker right, who has all sorts of complicated ways of doing it um, but basically uh, they used to be called rockfish um, a bit sort of cagey about calling their present instantiation rockfish it's pretty much the same gang but until we until some policemen feel all their collars we're not actually going to be sure uh, so we've got the compromised machines running a proxy, we've got no trademarks. Uh, we used to have this rather distinctive URL style uh, whereby uh, they would put in a bit to get through the spam filters which was different every time. They then put in the bank name because real users have no idea how URLs work and therefore provided the bank name is somewhere in the URL it's clearly safe. Then they put their actual domain which in the example I just showed you was k1 the root whatever. Uh, LOF80.info was from about March, 19, uh, two, March 2007, so that's been dead quite a long time. Uh, and then the various bits at the end, and I've just shown you that currently they're using about 20 bits at the end in parallel. Uh, then we get the fast flux, which I've just uh, uh, talked about, and so forth. What uh, I've been doing, along with uh, a guy called Tyler Moore, uh, who uh, was at Cambridge doing his PhD, has now gone off to Harvard uh, doing a postdoc there. Uh, one of the things that uh, we found was that when we look at these sort of times, then you'll notice that uh, uh, compromise. That overall, when we first did these measures, we just sort of added up the full totals, and then we realised that uh, in many cases the brand owner was completely unaware of the fact that the, these phishing websites existed. And when we actually understood that and looked at all of our data, because we had more data than the brand owners, because we were getting data from various different sources which were not available to them, um, that basically uh, for free web hosting you get sites coming down in about four hours if the brand owner is aware of it. If the brand owner is not aware of it, uh, it takes nearly four days. Uh, similarly, for compromised machines, similar sources of numbers, Right, the average is quite high, but when you actually break it down as to whether or not they're aware of it, once they're aware of it, they get it down in hours. If they're not aware of it, it stays up for days. And in fact, the main puzzle is why they're ever removed at all. Um, I can't actually answer that question. We've got some ideas, but we're not sure. But if we look down the bottom here, this was, used, these, this was classic rockfish when they were just using the domains. Uh, at, but they weren't actually using the fast flux, so the domains resolved to some fairly fixed proxies, and those fixed proxies stayed the same for days on end. Uh, then the takedown time went up to about 70 hours, right? Because instead of having to contact an ISP and get them to disconnect a customer, or 
contact a free web hosting site and ask them to remove a uh, to, to remove a phishing site from their free web hosting site, you now had to talk to the domain registrar and persuade them that they were going to cancel this domain registration, and that took days. Right? And this is one of the first sort of results we got out of this, and because what we do is a, in, a, in our academic lives is what's called security economics, uh, we can, we've got a lot of explanation as to why this occurs in terms of the economics of the situation, who's losing money, who has an incentive to fix things, and so forth. Uh, this is what I've just uh, hinted at, which is why do we know more? And the answer is that the takedown companies, the people, because the banks don't actually take these things down themselves anymore. Uh, a, a few of the banks have specialist internal departments who do this, but in general they outsource it to companies, mainly in the US, uh, there's one in Israel as well, who specialise in removing phishing websites. And those companies compete on how many phishing websites they know about. And they don't share the information with each other, but because we're academics, they share the information with us. As a result of which, we know about more websites than a, any particular bank does, because uh, the bank has, owned, has hired one particular takedown company, but we're getting data from multiple takedown, co uh, takedown companies. Uh, when we actually realised this and wrote up a paper about this, we thought it was entirely obvious how to fix this, that all of these companies in the greater good should all share each information with each other. And we wrote a paper to that effect. Whereas uh, we don't understand the real world because we're only academics, because the takedown companies said that it was a much easier solution than that, that the banks could buy a service off all of them. <laughs> <laughs> this is data for free web hosting takedown. It's, again, it's quite old data. Uh, from spring 2007, uh, and you'll notice uh, that Yahoo at the top is really rather faster. Uh, this in fact reflects the fact that at this point we hadn't actually split between what Yahoo knew about and what they didn't know about, because when Yahoo knows about a site, they take it down in 20 minutes. Uh, and they do that 24 hours, 24 by 7, because they used to have a really bad reputation, uh, and they now spend serious amounts of money dealing with reports. So if you see a bad site on Yahoo, report it to Yahoo's abuse team. They are really on top of their game. Uh, but you need to interpret all this data rather carefully. And one of the reasons you need to inter interpret it carefully is this is the data for one free web hosting company in Italy called Alice.it. Uh, you will see over on the left-hand side of the graph there that the takedown time in uh, April 2007 was really rubbish, 600 hours or so. The takedown time sort of comes down, and then from about the middle of May, it gets a lot better. Now, in fact, what's actually happened here is that during the whole of the period in April, they weren't actually removing any websites at all. They were just accumulating new phishing websites. And right at the beginning of May, they acquired Clue, and they took them all down at the same time. Hence, you get this rather straight line in terms of how long the sites lived. The longer they, uh, the earlier in April they were created, the longer they lasted, and then on the 3rd of May, they all got removed. And of course, if you don't understand that this effect is going on, you'll do some averages or something, and you'll get a misleading impression of what's happening at Alice.it. But the really cute thing about this is we can see exactly the same graph at a couple of registrars for domain names. Uh, the left-hand one is extremely famous. This is Hong Kong, who, uh, when they first had phishing 
uh, the Rockfish guys first turned up and started using Hong Kong domains, they immediately realised what was going on and they immediately understood it was uh, phishing and they immediately went to the police. And the police, Hong Kong police said, uh, whatever you do, don't touch anything, we're going to gather some evidence. And for three long weeks they gathered evidence and the site stayed up. And meanwhile, everybody in the industry, all the takedown companies, all the banks and so forth, were shouting at the Hong Kong registrar, take the domains down. And eventually, beginning of April, they did. And hence you get this nice shape again. Uh, and so many people shouted at the Hong Kong registrar that one of the great things is it doesn't matter where you go in the industry, you can meet somebody who swears blind to you that they were the person who took the Hong Kong registrar aside and explained it all to him as a result of which, as a result of their intervention, and their intervention alone, uh, this whole situation was fixed. Everybody takes credit for this. And you see exactly the same thing on the right-hand side, because after Hong Kong, they went off to China, one particular registrar, uh, and again, you see the same shape, which is the gaining of clue. And the really bad news for all of us is that there's about 3,000 registrars. Uh, so there's quite a lot of clue to, to go around. And one of the things the anti-phishing working group is working on is trying to impart clue to registrars ahead of time so we don't see too many of these sort of graphs in the future. Okay. I'm now going to talk about money mules. Uh, instead of using Waller Truck, which is from two summers ago, I have... Ah, my Keep Alive, which is good. And <laughs> we're coming to that, don't worry. <laughs> we're coming to that. We have, I hope... Let's the global shipping site. Yes. So these were nicely in order, but obviously not. No, that's uh, more wickedness. There's lots of wickedness to go around. Let's just get rid of this as I can see what I'm doing. I don't suppose, no, that's just that one. <laughs> My apologies for this. I, I had them all neatly in order, and unfortunately, I ended up with a, a bad position. Okay, here we are, the Global Shipping Agency. I'll just get rid of this toolbar. Right, this is the Global Shipping Agency, which looks great when I look at it on... Uh, my enormous screen and uh, not so good here. See the nice, they're really good. You see all the effort they've gone to, the wheels moving and everything? Isn't that great? Um, this is, these people have some jobs. So we click on the vacancies, we'll see their jobs. These sites last about three or four days, right? And they all have really fantastic graphics when they come up. So there's uh, people sitting somewhere doing lots and lots of work on the graphics of these things, so I hope they're paid well. Um, these people, not surprisingly, would like to hire a mechanic. It's good, they're going to diagnose mechanical problems and perform repairs on the trucks. Uh, they're also hiring a customer service financial assistance. 
And you'll know about this website because you'll have received an email from these people because they're so desperate to hire customer service financial assistants that they thought of you and they sent you an email especially to persuade you to, uh, to consider taking this job. And when we look at the job, it's really very good. Um, uh, somewhere or other, it should say that you're going to make 10% of the uh, turnover. Um, there you go, 10% commission. Okay, so they're going to... What's, what's the story is something like, um, here they are moving all this, uh, doing all this shipping around and people pay them in all sorts of funny countries. And it's a real pain using the international banking system to move this money around. So they have a much better idea, which is uh, that people will pay the checks to you and you will then pay them Right, and you can keep for your trouble and all the effort of you dealing with the international banking system for having accumulated four or five payments together and then making one payment to them. Uh, for all that hassle, you get paid 10%. Right, so, and you can do it work at home. You just have to have a good internet connection and a bank account and be over 18. It's very important, that. Um, and uh, you've got to have excellent oral and written communication. It's, it's, you know, it's, they're going to be a bit picky. Um, and, of course... Uh, in order to speed things up, you're not actually going to use the international banking system and send them the money. Uh, you're going to use Western Union. <laughs> uh, people laughing because uh, perhaps you know a little bit about Western Union. Western Union are extremely clear on their pages that you must never send money through Western Union except to people you know. Uh, and the reason for that is that Western, when you go along to Western Union and said, I'm terribly sorry, I didn't actually want to send that money. Uh, they will say they will point at the notice on their wall and say no refunds, and they don't do refunds. Once they've sent the money, that's it. Okay. Uh, and Western Union also has some interesting other properties in that you may think you're sending it uh, to uh, to Fred in uh, St Petersburg, but in fact, provided Fred turns up with the uh, appropriate uh, paperwork, he can pick it up um, in Moscow instead. And therefore, it's really quite difficult to track down, and you can't stake out. Western Union offices looking for people turning up, uh, picking up the money, and you can probably pick it up in other countries as well. So it's a fine system, uh, and uh, but of course you're not going to be sending it to strangers because you've got a job, and you'll probably have a fax of a signed contract of employment from these people because these people are your employers. So when the Western Union person looks you in the eye and says, are you really sure you want to send this money to St. Petersburg? Do you know these people? You're going to say yes. And you are now what in the trade is called a money mule. Uh, and the reason it all goes wrong is because after a little while, you'll get a uh, request to come down to see your bank manager uh, because your bank manager will explain to you that the money which had turned up into your account, all of these checks, has now been moved back to the people whose money it was, who had been caught out by one of those phishing scams, which we've just looked at, and the money moved into your account has now been moved out of your account, and your bank manager is extremely keen to learn how you're going to pay him back, because currently the bank is out of pocket. That's the point to which you discover that Western Union doesn't undo things. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of this about. Now if we go back to this side. Uh, the interesting thing about global shipping is, uh, let's do open a new window so we can see it, uh, that almost all of the text on global shipping's page comes from Westwood Freight Limited in Dartmouth and Kent, who are an extremely proper company. Um, uh, and at uh, last time I looked, 
uh, they don't have any vacancies at all uh, for anything, not even mechanics, such as the, uh, the recession here in the UK. Um, and the other bit of the uh, text, uh, because if we went back to global shipping, and I won't do it now, is that if you poke around, you'll discover that not only do they do have the nice picture of a lorry, they're also one of the biggest shipping lines in the world uh, because they've copied all of the text from this one. Right? Uh, and these people, apparently they have um, uh, hundreds and hundreds of container ships and so forth, which they charge around the world. They're called the Mediterranean Shipping Company. As far as I can see, they're based out of Geneva, which has always struck me as a very strange place to have a shipping company. <laughs> There's a lake. There's a lake, yes. Uh, but shipping anywhere else is a little tricky. So that was... Uh, right, this is what well, a truck this is. This is a two year old one, uh, and so forth. So, when we look at how much spam is turning up, we think that mule recruitment is a real bo big bottleneck for the uh, fishing people. Getting people to fill in their details on fake bank pages appears to be quite easy, getting people to cash out the money appears to be rather harder for them. Uh, since uh, global shipping is very much the exception at the moment. Almost all of these things run, on, run off email only. Building websites was extremely fashionable. They were doing it a lot in 2007, uh, and global shipping are the only people who are doing it at the moment in, in 2009. Uh, when we looked at these, we found that the takedown time was absolute rubbish. Right? 700 hours. If you divide that by 24, you can see that's quite a lot of days. Uh, average average time uh, and the reason for this is because the mill recruitment sites attack the whole of the banking industry so it's no one particular bank's problem to get them removed and since it's not their problem they don't do anything about it so the only people who try and remove these websites are what I call vigilantes random people with nothing better to do in the evening than to work out where the sites are being hosted uh, and send emails asking ISPs to remove them and having to explain to ISPs, give them a clue as to why this is in fact a scam and why this website uh, should in fact be removed. Uh, interestingly, they have a mixture of completely invented companies and taking over other people's companies. So a number of these things like Waller Truck and Harvey Investment and so forth were real companies and were just cloned. Uh, other ones uh, like the Sydney Car Centre, there is no Sydney Car Centre, uh, the Sydney Car Centre stuff was basically taken from a, a car showroom in the West Midlands uh, and then transported to Australia uh, and then set up in order to, to hire people to do money laundering. Right. This is a different scam, which we shall go and find. Oh, I hope I have the right page for this one now. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. Uh, now, uh, just to show you how difficult this is, yesterday I set up all the slides for this, and that's what happened to one of the sites I was going to show you today, uh, which is that um, the uh, free web hosting company T35.com in Russia have taken the website down, which is very mean of them. <laughs> Fortunately, there's another one on t35.com which they seem to have ignored. Uh, and what this is, is this is fake escrow. The way this scam works is that you've gone off onto eBay or one of the other uh, sites and you bought yourself a car or a motorcycle or whatever. 
uh, perhaps from a fo even from a foreign country if you want something exotic in the, you know, a, a second-hand Ferrari or rather fancy motorcycle or something like that. And of course the guy selling it to you doesn't trust you, plus you've got the real difficulty of getting the, the vehicle from wherever it is in northern Italy or something uh, to yourself. Uh, and uh, fortunately the seller will write to you proposing the the uh, brilliant solution to this, which is he's found this escrow company, which also does transportation. And so what he's done is it's so obvious that this will be the solution uh, to all of the problems here, is he's already given the motorcycle to the, uh, to the company, and the company is going to ship it in a container uh, across Europe and drop it at your door, uh, but they'll only actually release the motorcycle to you once you've paid. So the sooner you pay, the sooner your payment will clear, and the sooner your motorcycle will appear at your door. Uh, so you look at this, and you look at their website, and they clearly see what they're doing, and uh, these websites always have a fine uh, tracking thing here, whereby you, can, uh, whereby you can go and fill in your tracking, track your delivery, so you can fill in uh, the uh, consignment number which they've given you, you can see that your uh, your thing is now sitting in a container at their uh, northern Italian uh, hub, uh, just waiting for. And you know, its next thing is going to be moved to Frankfurt, so it's really on its way to you. Uh, so you send them the money. That's the end of the story. You send them the money. <laughs> Because this is entirely fake. There are no escrow companies which also do shipping. Bad luck. Uh, you'll have to do these things separately. But uh, these sites turn up. We reckon that they're, they're clearing four or five cars worth of money a week. Uh, and we reckon there's half a dozen gangs at least who are working on this. So it's not major crime, but it's not trivial either. Uh, and is it being investigated? Is it hell? Um, but one of the great things about these sites is they do get taken down uh, on a regular basis. Uh, and in particular, uh, if I can just find it, they then knock up another site. But they're not particularly organized, shall I say, about s sorting out these sites because uh, they have to make them on a cookie cutter basis. So if you want to contact them, they'd really rather you like to fill it, send them a uh, fill in something on the website. Alternatively, um, they have a, a fine phone uh, fax number, not a phone number. If they do have a phone number, it's probably one of these 700 numbers, which means that somebody in Nigeria will actually pick up the phone. Um, uh, but this one is based at Hampton Road, Hash 14 London, uh, with a Twickenham postcode. Now that Twickenham postcode doesn't exist I know because I went onto WikiLeaks and I looked at the, uh, the list of postcodes which was kindly put there earlier this week uh, and it doesn't exist. Uh, however, 14 Hampton Road, London does exist because I have a picture of it. Uh, let me just move ourselves across. Yes. Unfortunately, Mr. Google thinks I have a wider screen than I should have. But... Um, If I, go if I go print, it will give me a better one. Oh. Street view only. There you are. All right. Okay. Here we go. Right. There we go. 
I need to tell you that that is 14. Doesn't look like a major shipping company, does it? <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's kind of uh, kind of interesting because if you actually go off and you actually search on the postcode, which of course doesn't exist, uh, then I get eight hits, many of which are on a thing saying fraud forums or AA419, who are the artists against 419, who are anti-fraud and so forth. Uh, and basically, um, it turns out there's quite a lot of shipping companies all based at that address. <laughs> many of whose websites don't exist anymore. Uh, so let's get rid of that. Um, if you go and look up a rather telling phrase, because these guys cookie-cutter this stuff, they always use the same phrases, and we pick out this fantastic phrase, we protect both the buyer and seller with a simple uh, five-step trust process, uh, you can see we get uh, 412 hits. Okay, that's how many sites Google still knows about. Uh, that actual phrase uh, comes from, no, I've lost it now. It actually comes from a real escrow company, because there is a real escrow company, called escrow.com, who... Uh, Internet for all costs you lots of money, as it warns you about, so forth, etc. But we protect the buyer and seller with a simple five-step trust process. So that's what they've all copied. Okay, now. Get rid of some of these. And we can move on to the Canadian pharmacy, I think. Let's just go back to this. Uh, that was the phrase I was looking at before. We were soon ahead in the sector, right? Which is an odd sort of way of, of putting things. And basically, the, the, this was a whole series of uh, different uh, 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 sites from May, which all had the uh, same uh, brilliant, uh, brilliant piece of text on them. Uh, 188 then. So there's more of them at the moment. Either that or Google's keeping them longer. Hard to tell. Uh, it's escrow.com. Okay, so that's what I've all told you. So off we go to Canadian Pharmacy, which I hope. Train shipping we've looked at. This was freight, global shipping. All right, we'll do it the hard way, which is. This is a site in, uh, this is a classic Canadian pharmacy site. <laughs> I, there are lots of these on the web uh, and they will sell you pills for helping out your problems uh, and so forth. And uh, they accept visa and uh, all sorts of things and so forth. Um, whenever the journalists look at these sites, interestingly, they always seem to blind them by the little blue pills. And, and when they test them, sometimes they're, they're just blue chalk and sometimes they're uh, uh, the real thing. Uh, I always think that the journalists are doing the wrong thing. They should buy the sleeping bills, pills off these sites because there's a great deal of evidence that, the, uh, that these sites actually sell you real sleeping pills. Okay, uh, perhaps coming from the third world and being shipped back into the US, 
Uh, but the reason they do that, uh, the reason they want to ship real sleeping pills, is because the people who buy from these sites are addicted. And they can't go to their doctor and get these pills because their doctor knows they're addicted and won't prescribe any more to them. So they go on the internet in order to uh, feed their addictions. Uh, and if you're actually going to sell to these people, there's no point in selling them something fake because they won't come back, right? because they won't go to sleep. Whereas if you sell them the real thing, then they'll come back and order time and time again. And if anybody, if you're in business, you know that the one thing you want to do is sell more things to your existing customers rather than having to go and find new customers. If we do a search on some typical uh, phrases, uh, then we can see that there's about 40,900 instances of uh, these sites known to Google. Uh, if we go off and look at, I hope this one, I'm having to look at this one because the, uh, the currently the Canadian pharmacy doesn't actually have the feature which I want. So this is remarkably similar but different. Uh, with a picture of a happy smiling doctor at the top. Uh, and down the bottom, in case you're worried about, sh uh, after the testimonials from Max who said that uh, people fell over themselves, it's all about girls, you see. Um, then we can find some really fine seals and so forth which you can click on. So you won't be worried about this, so you can ch check the seal for the American F Drug Administration. So you click on there, and up comes a thing that says this site is approved by the American Drug Association. Uh, there you go, you see. All, all, good, all good fun. Uh, unfortunately, if you look at the top, you'll see that the URL shows it's actually being served up by the same site. Uh, and similarly, the Canadians are prepared to give this on a, a seal and so forth, uh, served up from the same site. And well, you're getting the idea now. Even Mr. Very sign can't be bothered to sign it up, so he's allowed them to serve up the thing saying it's a secure site from Mr. Very sign. So that's all right then. Ah, uh, and the, if we just go back to this, we can see there were that many last time I looked. Uh, that if you go and look up look up this, then it, even just one simple uh, seal thing, uh, there's uh, 32 instances floating around on the web which Google thought were live the, on that day. Previous time I did that, there were about 90,000. I think Google is being a little bit selective about what is actually recording for some of the deeper pages on these sites. And if you don't just want pills, you can get all sorts of other useful things as well. Uh, and in general, when we search for them, we find there's less of those than the pill sites. Um, well, I didn't need them myself, so... You know. Okay. Trying to move along a little bit now. Let's uh, get rid of one of those. And this is the set of things. This is a site called... We'll get rid of that, but he'll come back again, because they're very, they're very keen to talk to me on this side, um, so that I feel happier about it. But I don't see why they're... they're the, right, this is a site called ripedeal.com, uh, and it's got all sorts of things for sale. And I was particularly struck by this camera, which I'd like to buy off them, because right, it's going for a really good price, $200. That's body only, mind you. 
Uh, you have to buy the lens separately. But um, when I went off to uh, Frugal uh, and looked up the prices for Nikon D90s, which should be further down here, um, that's the best price I could find. And I think that one's second hand, which is 420. Uh, 588, uh, 688. Uh, the first place I've actually ever heard of is somewhere to buy uh, camera stuff off. It got it for $700, but, but with free shipping, mind you. Um, so uh, $700 and so forth. You can pay up to $1,000 for one of these um, if you want to pay, in, I think the list is about 1100 and so forth. So frankly, this is a bargain. Right? Um, I'd, I'm going to buy one of these. Um, I will add it to my cart and so forth. And somewhere here, it's going to tell me about some payment options. There we go. Payment, yes. Because oh, I clicked on it, Lynn has pop, woken up. She wants to talk to me again. Show me how safe this is going to be. Uh, so uh, you can pay for it by Western Union. <laughs> and uh, or by a bank transfer but unfortunately you can't pay by, by, by PayPal because they're, they're apparently they're having a poor experience with PayPal <laughs> what a shame they've got all sorts of other really cool stuff um, uh, Here's, here's, here's a fine plasma screen. All right. This, this, one, this one is good. Only $193. Now, it shows you how much putting it in the container and shipping it to the US costs. Because I'm here to tell you that um, your, your average, uh, your, your going rate on Frugal um, is over $1,000, and that's for a refurbished one. Uh, they want a new one, eleven $1 hundred dollars. So one hundred ninety-three. It shows how much import duties are going for you. And in fact, import duties are rather relevant here because if you go off to SiteAdvisor.com, which Mr. McAfee goes to a lot of effort to tell you that this is a that what he's interested in doing is telling you whether or not sites are safe. Now, what Mr. McAfee is actually interested in doing, because Mr. McAfee is an antivirus. Uh, vendor. Mr. McAfee is really keen on uh, telling you which sites have malware on them, right? And he'll be very rude about sites which have malware on them. Once he gets outside of his core competency of understanding about malware, he's not terribly good at giving ratings to sites. He hasn't, in fact, checked this one yet. Um, but uh, if you go down a little bit, then you'll see that there's a bad shopping experience <laughs> reported. <laughs> Um, apparently they, somebody ordered it uh, and they had to pay 20% more for customs duty so they sent the money okay. uh, and off it goes uh, it's been more than a month now without any sign of good intention from their side okay, that, that was posted on the 13th of uh, September I don't think we're going to see a, a conclusion to this uh, story here um, but to show you the Mr. McAfee this is the very first time I gave this talk, uh, which is over two years ago now, um, we looked at a site called hotshopgood.com, which Master McAfee has tested. And this is an okay site, green tick. Um, it was a rather similar site with rather similar prices. And you'll never guess, they send a bit of a bad shopping experience. 
right, and if people go and uh, Google on it, they find it's listed at AA419, which uh, is a scam site. Um, and uh, uh, there's a link to uh, Castle Cop's site where uh, somebody reported they were robbed because they was robbed. Uh, they didn't get their goods. Uh, so, buyer beware and site advisor beware as well. So let's go back to the ongoing narrative. Uh, oh, price of these has come down. That, basically, that's with lens. But the price of these has come down since I first made these slides. Goes to show, doesn't it? Not to $193. So. Uh, and so, what's, what's to say? Now, one of the interesting things is that these sites, one of the reasons we've been studying them a bit, is because some of these are hosted on the same sort of technology, things like FastFlux, as the phishing sites and so forth. Right? But we see completely different takedown times for them. Uh, very, very much longer because the bank phishing sites, the banks are trying to remove them. For most of these sites, nobody's trying to remove them apart from a handful of, of vigilantes. Uh, we, we have been looking at whether or not Google finds a high proportion of these and, and indeed what proportion of sites can be found by Google as opposed to looking at some of the reputation sites. Uh, but we don't actually have anything pub publishable uh, there yet. Uh, but bottom line, if it looks too good to be true, it probably isn't true at all. Uh, this one I can't show you anymore, but I, if you're from the UK, this is just hilarious. This is the, the Nation Building Wide Bank. <laughs> um, and I have a fake bank from... This is the... Let's open a new window so we can see ourselves. This is the Euro Bond Bank, <laughs> okay, which is a fine bank. Uh, okay, it's established in, in 1990. It's got a. Uh, they've gone off to Birmingham as well. There's their firm number from the FSA, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, and off we go. And if we go and look at the where they're located, because of course all these sites have to be located somewhere. Uh, then you'll contact us page and we discover that they're in 45 Chapel Street London uh, E14 that's a real postcode that's uh, Canary Wharf Chapel Street however is uh, in Northwest One print trick again that's uh, 45 Chapel Street <laughs> there's obviously less money in banking than there used to be Uh, the interesting thing is that there's also something called the Bank of East Asia, which is also established in 1990, which is an incredible coincidence, and also has a branch, a branch in Birmingham. Uh, and uh, 
you will find a distinct uh, similarity in the text between these two. So you might be asking yourself, why would you set up a fake bank? Right, because surely people are going to check you out a bit before they give you money. They didn't do that with real banks. Sorry? They didn't do that with real banks. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the turns out that most of these fake banks are associated with lottery frauds. That you've won the Spanish lottery. Uh, and uh, you'll be pleased to hear if you start talking to the people and uh, trying to get hold of your winnings. Uh, after you've uh, paid the uh, tax for the fact that you hadn't actually entered the lottery in the first place and you're in the wrong country, uh, and little details like that they can sort out if you just pay them, pay them a little bit of money because they're, they're used to that, so that's all right. Once you've paid that, you'll then discover that they put the money into a high-interest account uh, at the Eurobond Bank, uh, and you'll get a login and you'll be able to go and look at all the money sitting in your account. The account will all be in your name and so forth, but when you try and transfer the money out, it says, I'm terribly sorry, you can't transfer any money out of this account until you pay the setup fees for it. And under bank rules, unfortunately, you can't use the money in the bank to pay the setup fees. You have to send it in from outside. <laughs> uh, and of course, if you're actually doing this on a much grander scale, uh, then what better way of showing that you really do, you really are an African dictator with 45 million US dollars than to let people have a look at your online banking account containing 45 million US dollars. So those are fake banks, uh, and then uh, that's a one from one I had earlier. So they're not really phishing. Uh, we can find them by repeated phrases again, uh, four and nine scams, lottery scams, etc. Uh, and now my personal favourite, which is the fake Ponzi schemes. Uh, First of all, we'll do a search. Now, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but all of these fake Ponzi schemes have this wonderful phrase in them. <laughs> okay. Well, in fact, some, some legitimate sites do as well. But, um, uh, but you'll notice there's quite a lot of them. Right Now, that's because Google, if you actually work through your way through the pages, that Google revised that estimate down, downwards, because that's its initial estimate of how many sites there are. But believe me, there's a lot of these. 100,000 would be, would be on the low side. And why not? We'll go for the top hit. I'm feeling lucky today. <laughs> and it's still there. Good. Uh, this is our site. And basically, you have to agree. Uh, here we are, exempt from the US, etc. Okay, because this is the terms page, so we'll just go to the, the main page. Uh, and basically, they're a financial company uh, who invest things, and they're jolly good at it. They're so good at it, they can pay you 2.5%. Now, you, you may be used to the fact that with the collapse in uh, main bank rates and so forth, getting 1.5% out of your high street is difficult. These people pay 25 a day. <laughs> Only you're waiting for a year basis, right? Uh, and they give you 10% upfront for putting your money in, etc., etc. And this is what we all call a Ponzi scheme, uh, whereby they, pay, of course, what they do is they pay people, they they pay earlier investors out of the money which new investors are putting in, and therefore, of course, earlier investors have a real incentive to go and plug these schemes. 
But the really great thing, and why I call them postmodern Ponzi schemes, is that everybody knows it's a Ponzi scheme, but they're still playing anyway. Because if you get in early, then you might make some money. And so, what's really important about this is not so much the claims as the rating system. So if you like them, you can go off and you'll see that they're using up a lot of space. They've registered with all sorts of Ponzi scheme monitoring systems. It's called high, right? Which are which are sites, right? Which provide a reputation score for these sites as to whether or not they're paying out, because you wouldn't want to invest one in one that wasn't paying out, would you? You'd lose your money. So here's a reputation site. So they've been monitoring it for 36 days. Okay. Great stuff is that. Um, Usually these sites um, have put, right, they put in some money of their own, right? Though, to be honest, I think that the people actually pay to get onto these sites, so how much of it's really their money is unclear. And they're keeping track of whether or not they're being paid. Uh, and you can also vote. Uh, and this scheme, which has been running for about 36 days, uh, you'll see... Uh, that unfortunately, <laughs> they're not paying. Um, they haven't received, and the support does not answer. Oh dear. Um, the guy who gave a green score up the top, we'll come back to it in a minute, because that's basically spam. Uh, but it's quite an interesting spam, so we'll come back to it in a minute. But uh, this is really great, because these sites are monitoring very large numbers of these uh, sites. So if we we can go off and we can find uh, sites with lots of really great reputations, right? So I'll pick one which I know is uh, there. Geez, Golden Trust. Uh, and. No, that's all the detail about where it is and stuff like that. Uh, there we go. So they're, they're making money. So some weeks they're making lots and lots of money. But not recently, but, but, but they were. But if we look at the votes. Then there's, there's several green votes. So this might, one might still be worth investing in. You never know. Uh, what I do have is uh, to show you how reputable the reputation systems are. Is oh, hang on, oops, let's just you window. I have a different reputation system here, uh, and this is quite an interesting one because this is Lux Cup, okay, and the these people are getting their money on a really regular basis, because they're the reputation site. So, so, so money is coming out into the reputation site and they're very happy about it. If we look at the um, current rating, then um, apparently you shouldn't trust this site. This is a cheating site. Totally scam, as opposed to only partly scam. They took all my money, etc. And they also, also, if you're unwise enough to give them the details of your Liberty Reserve account, which is called e-money, they take all the money out of there as well. 
wicked people. Uh, so I really love these because uh, everybody ought to know that they're a scam, but in principle you can make some money. And here's somebody who actually understands this, who says, well, if you've been messing around, then what you want to do is you want to buy his book. <laughs> so it's only three dollars, right? And he'll explain how to make money out of these scams. Which probably starts number one, write a book. Um, okay? Right, but law one, he says, they're Ponzi's, he says. Law two, first in, first out. Right, this is exactly what I've been saying. This is a man who fully understands these and is arguing that you can make money out of these as an investor. My guess is that you can only make money out of these by being the reputation site, by running one of them, uh, which I couldn't recommend in the UK, uh, or alternatively writing a book about it. I, they, uh, they appear to be sort of a, a bit cultural in that um, my impression is that they're used quite a lot by people uh, from... Uh, what I would say was behind, because I'm old, behind the Iron Curtain, rather than from the West. Uh, but um, there's a lot of them, and there's been very little study of them, and we really don't understand how much of it is faked, and how much of it is there's some real genuine transactions, at least for a while. Uh, this one is fine. These people sent me an email. They said... We noticed that you're running a, a website, which I, I was to do uh, for an internet think tank, um, uh, which is, in, amongst other things, interested in human rights. Uh, so would I like to put on a link to their website? So I went and looked at their... Whoops, that's not what I want to do. I want to go back to here and open the real site. And I looked at this, and it's an extremely proper-looking website. There it is. Uh, and they represent over 100 non-governmental and other not-for-profit organisations, etc., uh, etc. Et if we poke around, we'll find they have a whole pile of um, individual members. I was looking at this, and I was thinking, goodness me. Goodness me, I was thinking, I've never heard of these people. And, and they seem to be really good. Perhaps we should be trying to join. Um, so I looked at their, their mission statement. And their mission statement says, human rights first believes that. Which was a little odd because... <coughs> so I did a little Google search. And I came up with this web page. And this is a web page for a US organization that is extremely pucker and, and extremely real. And they have a mission statement. And it starts off, because they're called Human Rights First, their mission statement starts off, Human Rights First believes that. <laughs> These people have copied them. Why have they copied them? How do you make money out of being linked to? Well, the answer is you make money out of being linked to because if I link to them, uh, then their Google juice goes up because I'm a much-visited website and they're not. Uh, and therefore, when they, you're suddenly looking at a job in the human rights field, all of their nice Google ads, if I was to click on there, they'd make more money than they would have done otherwise. And interestingly, they have a, a number of other websites. They, they set up several of them. Uh, I, I, I still only have a record of one other one of them, which is 
the uh, European Federation of Biological something or others, right? There, there were some physicists as well and so forth, which also had a remarkably similar looking uh, job site uh, thing. Uh, European Federation of Biophysics, right? Um, and they have a remarkably look, similar looking uh, website. Uh, and the interesting thing about this one is that if we go off back to our browser again, and we go off and we look at an extremely reputable Cambridge Journal, which is published not, uh, not more than a thousand meters from where I'm standing. Okay, well, one of the journals. This is the Quarterly Review of Biophysics. And the Quarterly Review of Biophysics, down the right-hand side, okay, has a fine thing saying related links. And they've got a link to the European... <laughs> and I sent the editor emails, and he won't take it off. <laughs> I've given up sending him emails, because it's much better to get a laugh out of it. Um, as it happens, uh, they've removed their front page. I don't, the jobs page is still there, but they've removed their front page. I don't understand why. And it's, uh, they've been coming back for a few hours for the last two years. <laughs> so rather reduces the effect of being linked to by a, a, a what you up to now had thought of as being a prestigious Cambridge Journal. Ah, <laughs> uh, but link spam is quite common. This is a typical sort of email, uh, written one off. Ms. Ms. Richardson has just said that she's visited my website and wondered if I would like to link to her, etc. And this is her site, etc. Would I like to link to it, etc. I have a slightly different variant on this at the moment, which is, get rid of that one, is scattered around in somebody's blog here. This is the green blog. I'm using the wrong, wrong browser. Um, and buried away down here somewhere you should be able to find some comment. Oh, here we are. My name is Megan Evans. I've just visited your website, she says. I wonder if you'd be interested in exchanging links for my website. I can offer you a homepage link back from my recycling guide, etc. This is kind of wasted putting it this way because most people who run blogs don't actually understand link spam and therefore presenting it in a link spammer sort of a way and, and sort of putting it in their language probably went straight over this person's head. Uh, but it's amazing how many people do put the links to these things. So basically, uh, she'd like a link from her recycling guide website. And if we click on here, we find Recycling for Live, which, um, it's got some ads by Google. Well, interesting that. And it's got some fine text about recycling. Um, right, etc. And there's a, a cheerful picture down here of people recycling and etc. and trading recyclates and etc. etc. Now, the interesting thing about that bit of uh, text, uh, we go off to Wikipedia, which I believe you've heard of. It's going to load really slowly just to annoy me. Come on. Here we go. And we type in recycling here, as I did yesterday. 
Recycling involves processing used materials, etc. <laughs> Which is a problem. And it's a problem for all of us because it used to be, when you looked at these link spammer sites, what they used to be is they used to just steal text off other blogs and other sites and so forth and just stick it on. Right? And therefore you could arg actually argue to people that these sites were a bad thing because what they were doing is they were ripping off other people's intellectual property and, and presenting it as their own. Sometimes I've even caught them taking a site uh, which was written originally uh, in Spanish, pushing it through Google Translate and then putting it up as being the site. They're not terribly convincing, right? but you can actually track back and find, the, if you try really hard, you can track back and find out which site they put through the translator. But if they're just spreading the word of Wikipedia articles, which have an extremely generous licensing uh, arrangement, it's really hard to say that what they're doing is wrong, apart from the fact that they're filling up the web uh, with all of these uh, fake comments saying, please, will you... Oh, I've lost the page now. Uh, uh, filling up the uh, web with all of these fake comments and sending uh, various bits of uh, spam email to people like me who have popular... Uh, pages, uh, trying to persuade, sending random spam to me, uh, trying to persuade me to do something about it. So this is, I think this is evil because these sites only exist because of uh, Google and the way in which they pay people for adverts on the web uh, and the general jargon for this is something called made for AdSense. Uh, but uh, it's still very hard to see that this is uh, as evil as some of the other things really. Uh, I'm very much running out of time, but I want to just do one last thing, which is just talk about takedown times of some of these things. I've said something about this going through, uh, which is that basically things like defamation, copyright violations and so forth, things which are often done through courts and so forth, generally we're seeing takedown times of a few days, but there's not enough examples that we can measure this. Those fake escrow agents, which I showed you, the average takedown time is about nine days, Median is one day, so some of them come down really fast, some of them hang around for weeks. Uh, mule recruitment sites, when there were a lot of them, we could actually get a meaningful measurement. The average uh, lifetime was about two weeks because, as I said, as we were going through, they're only attacking particular banks. Uh, and fake pharmacies, right, they last for months because, as far as we know, nobody has tried to take them down. But we did do some study on child sexual abuse images uh, using some anonymized data put, which was given to us by the Internet Watch Foundation to look to see how fast these sites came down because we thought this might be the gold standard which, which we could measure everything else against because basically you're sitting there at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon and you get asked to take down a phishing website and you think, oh, I'll leave it till Monday. It's a child sexual abuse image website, then maybe you do it before you go home because you kind of care. Uh, but when we actually crunched all these numbers, we found that the takedown time for this sort of material uh, was a, a mean, an average of 21 days, that's three weeks, and a median takedown time of 11 days. And if we counted in the sites which weren't being taken down at all, in order to make the numbers completely comparable with the other stuff, then basically uh, the mean was 30 days and growing, and the median time had gone up by a day to 12 days. So basically, a phishing website which the bank knows about comes down, we think, in about three and a half hours at the moment. All right. Child sexual abuse images, three and a half weeks. Okay? It's very fast inside the UK because the IWF actually talks to the police and they contact the ISP and they take it down that day. Right? But the IWF's view is they're not authorised to talk to people in other countries. 
doesn't bother Barclays. Right? Fishing websites in Poland, they ring up the people in Poland. If they don't take it down, they talk to their takedown company and the people ring them up and talk to them in Polish and say take it down. If they don't take it down in a few hours, then they ring up the local Polish police, talk to them in Polish and suggest they go around and explain things to them and give them some clue. But this doesn't seem to happen for child sexual abuse image websites. There is no communication with the people who are hosting it and therefore it can be several weeks before they actually learn about it, at which point they rush around in a real hurry and take the stuff down. And there seems to be a real confusion of aims here as to whether or not the IWF is existing to try and catch criminals or trying to get the stuff removed from the internet. That's kind of a summary slide which shows the difference between all the different things. All really cool stuff, including the original versions of most of what I presented, you'll find on our blog. Uh, and that's my webpage. And I'm coming to dinner with you. I'm holding you up from that. So I think I'm done. Thank you very much. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsttalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 178.